uh, we're going to learn a little bit about the Mishkan. About the Mishkan. Now, you know that the Mishkan is presented to us first in the two parashiyot, Truma and Titzaveh. Most years, they're read together, the same Shabbat. This year, because it's a, it's a leap year, um, we read, read Truma last week, and this week we're reading Titzaveh, but they are, they are really one. They come together, and they reflect the fact, even though the chronologically it's not clear, but they reflect the fact that the first mitzvah that B'nai Yisrael were asked to actually achieve after Matan Torah, I mean, I admit that it, that the order of things is a little bit unclear, but but the summary is as I state. They the first thing they were asked to do is to build the Mishkan, to build the tabernacle. The first thing, the first act, it wasn't it wasn't uh, 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 something that was uh, more important or less important. It was the Ikar, the main thing that B'nai Yisrael were charged with was building the Mishkan. So we have to go back to two psukim in the parasha of Truma and try to understand these two psukim in order to understand what the Mishkan, what the tabernacle was. What was it that B'nai Yisrael were being asked to do? So the first pasuk in Truma, in last week's parasha, Everybody understands that there's something unreasonable about this pasuk. Vasuli, the antecedent is Hashem, is God. Vasuli mikdash, make it for me, as though, as though God is missing something, that God needs something. So we all know that we were kind of trained in this way of thinking, that it doesn't make sense. That to say that God needs something, and uh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say that God will be in the in the mikdash that you build. I mean, God is every place, and God is wherever He wishes to be. And all of this, so this kind of pasuk rubs us the wrong way. The second part of the pasuk is v'shakanti b'tolcham. And I will dwell in your midst, plural. It means I will dwell in your midst. God dwells every place. There's something something problematic here, right? Problematic. So let's just look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, Vasuli Mikdash. Vasu, just one second. Ah, here it is. Let me just hide it. Underline it. That's what teachers do. They underline things. Now that you can't write on the board anymore. Vasulishmi Beit Kedusha. In other words, it doesn't mean it's for God. It means it's for God's honor. Vasulishmi, do it, build it for my name. Beit Kedusha. So the house of, of sanctity. So we're going to build this building. And we're going to have stuff in it. And on the outside, we're, we're not going to say Schwartz's Beit Mikdash, but we're going to say God's Mikdash. So Rashi, 
has taken the edge off of the pasuk. Apparently, Rashi also couldn't understand what Rasuli Mikdash God would say, do it for me. In spite of the fact that those of you who remember more psukim in the Torah, you know, the, the korbanot, the sacrifices that were brought in the Mishkan uh, were always l'reyach nichora. God appreciated, appreciated the smell. It was like a sweet-smelling uh, uh, gift that God was receiving. So even though we, we don't like the anthropomorphic position, it's hard to say that the Torah doesn't uh, actually adopt that position. So Rashi, Rashi kind of working against it. He says, well, doesn't mean that God is needy or there's something that I'm going to give that God needs or bring in. And that 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 brings us back, you know, in in uh, to the world, to the great question that the Arizal asked. I mean, not the only one, but the Arizal also asked it. And he said, in the, "There's a book called Eitz Chaim, which was is a collection of things that the Arizal uh, said and learned and taught." Right, Eitz Chaim. There are other books. Uh, with similar names, but he wrote, he had this book uh, which collects the things that the Arizal said. And in the first section in that book, the Arizal asked the question, why did God create the world? After all, if God created the world, it would seem that God was missing a world, that there was something that God needed that he didn't have. I mean, something that is hard for us to understand, hard for us to like get around it. But that's what the Arizal asked. And his answer to the question is a question that was asked by others, and there were other answers, but the Arizal's answer to that question was that Part of the nature of God, like I'm not, don't say that I, I understand well, even what I'm saying about, about this, but this is what the Arizal says, that God's nature was such that he desired to express mercy. He decided, and, and in order to express the mercy, he had to have something to express it upon. So we know that when the Jews uh, performed the golden, the, the sin of the golden calf, right? Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for their uh, redemption somehow, and he was he was victorious. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to free the Jewish people from the burden of the punishment that might have been, might wipe them out entirely. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to, uh, said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I am merciful. He said it in that famous pasuk that we all know, Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum V'chanun Er Hapayim Rav Chesed That's what God said. Because I am that way, I can forgive. I can forgive so that 
it's almost true. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I don't have to repeat this, it's almost true that the Cheta Ego, the, the, the golden calf, the idolatrous act of B'nai Israel had to take place in order for God to express the mercy that he wanted to express according to the Arizal, according to the Arizal. So when uh, when Kodesh Baruch Hu says to B'nai Yisrael Vasuli Mikdash, it could mean I, Hakodesh Baruch Hu, have some need for the Mikdash. It's like I had a need for the create the world that I created. Now I say to you, there's a need, uh, a divine. The divine has a need called Mikdash. Called Mikdash, Vishachanti Bitocham. And there'll be a change, there'll be a place, there'll be some place where God can be, can be present. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure that Rashi's interpretation in this particular case is necessary. I understand it. I understand, I think what Rashi said, Rashi didn't like the anthropomorphic aspect of of the pasuk, and so he just changed it. Asulishmi bayit kedusha. Okay, that's one pasuk. Now there's another pasuk that's on the sheet. The, the, the pasuk tet. This was pasuk chet. This pasuk tet. Kehol hashenim How is this mikdash going to look? What is it going to be? Answer, I know that you want to build the Mikdash that is most appropriate for God. The Mikdash which Hashem desires. So how are we going to get that? How are we going to get the, the right look of it? How are we going to get the proper architecture? How are we going to get the kalim, the vessels in the Beit HaMikdash to be exactly the way I want them to be? After all, the vessels in the Beit HaMikdash and the Parsha of Truma are uh, the Aron, the Menorah, the Shulchan, the Mizbeach. All of those words have meaning. I mean, anybody can make an Aron. Just tell me how big you want it. I'll make it. What about a, a candelabra? What about a menorah? Oh, I think you can build a menorah. We, you know, you go to uh, Hanukkah, you go to a uh, a menorah store, and you find menorahs in every shape and fashion and manner. Shulchan, table. The small mizbeach, the big mizbeach, all of these things can be created by us because we have that kind of knowledge and experience. We know what a box looks like and we know what a menorah looks like. But HaKadosh Baruch says, no, that's not what I want you to make. What I want you to make is kol ha'shayni mar'e'otcha. I want it to be very much very much the Aron that I want, the menorah that I want, as I will show you. 
at Avnita Mishkan, the form of this Mishkan. I want it to be the Mishkan that I want, not just a Mishkan. Not like building a shul. It's like building the Mishkan that I guess what says in the Pasuk. As I show it to you, and that's what, what actually happened. Besides the fact that the Elim and the, the house are, are, are carefully detailed in the Chumash, there were also apparently pictures that went along with it. And Moshe Rabbeinu, and later on Batal joining, was able to make exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. The form of all of the vessels in the Mikdash. And then you have this phrase at the end, which just sort of like limps off the page. So you see in the second pasuk, I mean, if I could take a, like a, a chance at understanding, what the second pasuk says is, not only do I want you to build it for God, I want you to build it in the closest possible way to God's will. I want it to be God's house, not only after it's being built, but while it's being built, it's being built as God's house. And then we have those words at the end, v'chein ta'asu, v'chein, and that's what you should do. Why Why would uh, Hashem think we're not going to do what uh, God shows us what, what it is that it's supposed to build? Of course we'll do that. Let's look at Rashi. Let's look at Rashi. Kechol you see, that's the beginning of Pasuk Tet. Kol asher ani Right? You see that? As I show you, Rashi, Khan, Etavnita Mishkan. Now, here, the form of the Mishkan, I'm going to show it to you. We're going to be able to see it. This Pasuk is intimately connected to the Pasuk that precedes it. Vasuli Mikdash, Vasuli Mikdash, as I was like when you read the two Psukim together, according to Rashi, you have to read it that way. The first part of Pasukhet with the first part of Pasuk Tet. So you have to read Vasuli Mikdash. God says don't think that, that I'm leaving it to you, that you're going to build what you like, just because you think you know how to build it our own, and you know how to build a menorah, and you know how to build, okay, you know how to do that, but you don't know how to build mine. But I want it to be mine. Okay? Then we come to the end. We come to the end of the pasuk, those words, that's what you should do. So you should do. You should do it. Rashi. I mean, so what, Rashi doesn't know exactly what Rashi means. Of course, Rashi You have to say Rashi There's a command. 
God says, do this, do that, do the other thing. Of course, we're going to do it. So Rashi comes up with an ingenious solution. And he says, this is a statement that's directed not at the people who Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to, but it's part of the Torah. And the Torah says, according to Rashi, if one uh, in the generations, if one of the vessels should be lost or broken or dis- disappear, right? Or when you, Beit Olamim is the Beit HaMikdash. When you make the vessels that will go into the Beit HaMikdash, Kigon, Shulchanot, tables, Uminorot, Kedalabram, the Kiorot, the large uh, vessels of water, Umichonot, Shasash Lobo, Michonot, the movable parts, as Shlomo Amelech made of Shlomo Amelech was very improved, improved. Kitavnit elu tasu otam. Kitavnit elu tasu otam. This is Rashi. Kitavnit elu tasu otam. Do you see it? I mean, what is Rashi saying? I say later on, when you build the Beit Hamikdash, Shlomo Hamelech builds the Beit Hamikdash, and he puts in all this fancy stuff into the Beit Hamikdash. You should imitate the kalim of the Mishkan. Because we want to make sure that the kalim, that the vessels that are part of, that the vessels that are part of the Mishkan right now in the desert being built right after the they kind of are prototypical vessels, according to Rashi. Kitavnit Elu. Of course, the, the walls are not going to be made out of the same kind of curtains that we had in the desert. The walls are going to be made out of stone, but the, but the vessels, they should be similar, even though Shlomo Melech is not going to get the pictures. They're not going to come down from heaven with the pictures, but he, he has the, an idea because they have the vessels of the, of the Mishkan. He says, if the Pasuk was not connected, remember what Rashi said? You have to do it the way I show you to do it. If the two psukim were not intimately connected, then it shouldn't have said as it does say. Rashi, Rashi is careful here and he says there's a kind of a, a detail that could be that could be uh, extracted. The pasuk, our pasuk, if you look at it, says v'chein tasu above, and also, right, literal translation, and also that's what you should do. 
right? So Rashi says, Im lo haya If the pasuk wasn't connected to the previous pasuk, right? Lo haya lo lichtov that the Torah should not have written v'chein tasu elakein tasu without a vav. Vaya medaber al asiyat ohel moed v'keilav. And they were talking about the, the it, it wouldn't be talking about the future. V'chein means an add-on, right? If it was at Kain Tasu, so we're talking about the Mishkan that B'nai Yisrael are going to build in the desert. But Kain Tasu, Rashi justifies that there is a kind of a, 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 a detail that's added about the future. And in the future, Lidorot, if you see the word, you see it, Lidorot, forever, forever. So that means that the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash was built in imitation of the Mishkan. And why was it built in imitation of the Mishkan according to Rashi? Because the Mishkan was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted in a particular way. Didn't want you to do it on your own, even though you could have. You could have done it on your own. You could have made an Aron, you could have made a, a Menorah, you could have made a Shulchan, you could have made it all on your own. Could have made it on your own. But no, HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only wants you to build the Mishkan with an eye to God's Mishkan, the Mishkan that will give God pleasure, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that. But what else? What else? V'chein ta'asu. And you'll do an imitation of that when you build the Beit HaMikdash, you build the second Beit HaMikdash, whatever you... Whenever this kind of temple is being built, is being built, you have to uh, you have to build it with God's plan in mind. So Moshe, so Shlomo Amelech is not going to get exactly the same kind of information, but Shlomo Amelech is going to have the tradition of the Mishkan. So when he comes to build the the uh, the Beit HaMikdash, he'll be able to build things that reflect what existed previously, right? So Rashi, if you look at Rashi, you say, you say, Im echad min if one of the vessels should get lost, when I make, you make the vessels for the Beit HaMikdash, Kigon, Shulchanot, Umenorot, Vikiorot, all these different kinds of Kalim, Umechonot, Shasash, Shlomo, Shlomo, wanted to improve, wanted to give more things, more furniture, more more vessels, more more uh, uh, special special things, right? He says, he says, Ketavnit Eilu Tazetam, Ketavnit Eilu, you Shlomo Amelech, you have to do, you have to make whatever you make in the model of the Kalim and the Mishkan. Because that's the way God wanted it. That's the way God wanted it. Okay, so uh, so I think we learned we learned something about the, the Mishkan before we get to uh, before we get to the uh, the Ramban. I want to just 
learn something for the Nefesh HaChayim. Nefesh HaChayim was written by Chaim Balochner, who was the first Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva in Balochner, and was a, a well-known Talmud of the Gaon, the Vilna Gaon. Balochner is right next to Vilna, and uh, it became, you know, it was the first Yeshiva. Balochner was the first Yeshiva, but that we mean uh, that there was a dormitory in a Chadar Ochar. Because before that time, before that time, people learned wherever they happened to be. And there, there were a lot of cities that had Rabbanim, who were Talmidei Chachabim, and they kind of led the, the learning that went on in the city. But it, it wasn't a yeshiva in the sense that it created its own, uh, its own reality. That was Bolozhin. Bolozhin, Aim HaYeshivot, it was called. So Nevesh uh, Chaim had the different functions, but uh, we're, we're just going to learn a little bit because it's going to help us to understand something about about the Mishkan. Uh, you could ask, you know, there was Churban Bayit Rishon and Churban Bayit Shene, Churban Bayit Rishon, the, the Temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. By Cheney, the temple was destroyed by the Romans, Titus. It's not so easy for us to understand why the punishment that Am Yisrael bore included the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, if as the psukim that we learned is uh, correct, that uh, the Beit HaMikdash is the place of HaKodesh Bochu in this world, I mean, again, I know this, uh, God is every place, but God could also be someplace. And if that's the case, okay, why would the punishment of Am Yisrael be what looks like the punishment of HaKodesh Bochu? HaKodesh Bochu is going to lose his place in the world. Why, why is that? I mean, how could that be? I understand that B'nai Yisrael have to be punished. I understand that they deserve to be punished. But even though they deserve to be punished, why does the Beit HaMikdash deserve to, to be destroyed? If we've just learned that the Mishkan and then the Beit HaMikdash under Shlomo HaMelech, that they were somehow divinely appreciated. They were, they were built with God in mind, so much, so to speak. All of the vessels that were put into the Beit HaMikdash were designed in heaven. But why would that be, I mean, why does that seem reasonable that it should be destroyed? So on that question, on that question, the Nefesh Chaim has a position. He has something to say. And this is it. He alone Nebuchadnezzar. No, no, is Nebuchadnezzar for some reason. I guess it's too long to write his name. Nebuchadnezzar with Titus, right? Nebuchadnezzar Babylonian. Titus the Roman. Lo asub imasehem shum pigam vekilkul klal lemala. So he he brings up an idea that we 
that we uh, are being touched upon. You know that when Yaakov Avinu left Eretz Yisrael on his way to the house of Laban, he saw he had this dream, right? The angels going up and the angels going down, and he slept and he got up and he said, So, of course, a gate to heaven. This is a gate to heaven. So, you can say, what do you mean a gate to heaven? He's dreaming. We saw what he dreamed. He didn't dream a gate to heaven. What does it mean to say that he said, oh, I know that this is the gate to heaven. Rashi says that all the Tfilot can come up in this way and will be accepted. Well, what is a gate to heaven? So Rashi says, Rashi says, based on Chazal, of course, Rashi says that Yaakov Avinu looked up and he saw the Beit HaMikdash in heaven. Because there is this idea, this is this idea that Chazal had that we kind of promote, that what God wants us to do on earth is always a reflection of heaven. It's a way of saying you could come close to heaven by doing heavenly things. And so Yaakov Avinu looked up and he said, he said, oh, I see the Beit HaMikdash in heaven. There was no Beit HaMikdash in his dream. But seeing the Beit HaMikdash in heaven, he understood that he was in the place, standing in the place where the Beit HaMikdash would be built. He was seeing the reflection of the Beit HaMikdash. Oh, he was the reflection of the Beit HaMikdash that was in heaven. And so the Nebuchadnezzar says this, he said, well, there's a Beit HaMikdash in heaven and there's a Beit HaMikdash on earth. And what was destroyed? What was destroyed was was the, was the, the, uh, the, the Beit HaMikdash on earth and not the Beit HaMikdash in heaven. In other words, in heaven, there's a Beit HaMikdash that is always, it's always there. It's it's divine, right? Kilkul klal imalach, kilo lahem chelik v'shoresh, bolamot elyonim she Yehu yecholim lingoa sham klal b'maseyem. And so, what was destroyed was the Beit Hamikdash. That is the reflection of the Beit HaMikdash in heaven. Ki lo lahem chelek v'shoresh v'olamot ha'elyodim because v'vuchadnetzar nebach and titus nebach they don't have any connection to the truth of things which is in heaven. Ki lo lahem chelek v'shoresh in the upper upper spheres or the upper worlds. So the Beta Mikdash, when we say the Beta Mikdash was destroyed, we mean the physical Beta Mikdash. The Beta Mikdash that we built, 
but not the Beit HaMikdash in heaven. Because Titus and Nebuchadnezzar, they have no way of getting to that. But because we sinned, we're talking about Bayat Rishon and Bayat Shedi, Nitma ate. Right, we, we everything became smaller, vitash and weaker. It's as though you weakened the power of heaven. Et mikdash Hashem timu It's as though they defiled the mikdash, the Beit Hamikdash, the temple, Ed Mikdash Hashem Timu Kibiachol, Hamikdash Elyon. It's as though they did it by Yedekach, Ayalem Koach. Therefore, they had the power. They had the power. Yedekach, Yedekach, Ayalem Koach. Then the Buchadetz of a tear to Slachriv, Hamikdash Shel Mata. Hamechuvan neged hamikdash shel mala, kemosham ruv orazala. They were able to destroy the mikdash on earth, which was kind of reflection of the mikdash in heaven. Kemosham ruv orazal, kimcha techina techinat, kimcha techina techinat, kemach tachun. Tachanta. <laughs> we see the Gemara here in Sanhedrin, Daftari Vav Ovid Beis, the Amrale, Amo Ketila Katalta. The question in the Gemara is, how'd they do it? How did Titus and, uh, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, how'd they do it? So the answer, the Gemara gives an answer, Amo Ketila Katal, you killed a dead nation. They were dead. Hechalah Kalia Kalito. Hechal. Hechal is the Beta Migdash. Uh, you did get rid of something that was not very powerful. Kimcha Techino Techanta. Kimcha Techino, you had flour that was ground up, and all you did was grind it up again. Shedakhire Chayavitachani Kemach. Rashi. The Gemara, this is Rashi from the Gemara. Amakatila, Amakatila, Shabbat Nixale, Hemalkach, that the nation of Israel has been, it has been decided that they're going to be punished. And so, Amakatila, Kadalta, you guys, you killed a dead, a dead person, somebody who is, who is, uh, uh, the Beit Din has ordered them. Capital punishment, then they're, they're, they're like dead even before they're dead. The Tachane Kemach, Tachane Chitim Lola Marala Kemach, the Ein Sarich Tchina, that's the point. Flour, you don't have to grind flour. Flour is what you get after you grind it. So you ground up ground meat, so that, 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 that this, this Gemara that the Nevshachayim is quoting. Mechah recording is 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 a, trying to explain to us 
how the Beit HaMikdash could be destroyed. And the answer is, the answer is that B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, who didn't appreciate, there was a point at which they didn't appreciate their relationship to heaven, so that the building of the Beit HaMikdash became reversed. Instead of building what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to build, they ended up building a building, right? A building, a building. And so Nebuchadnezzar and Titus were able to destroy the building because it was disconnected from the Beit HaMikdash in heaven, right? Which is a way of saying, I think, which is a way of saying that, that, uh, that B'nai Israel had this power. They had this possibility of making something very, very special called the Mishkan or the Beit HaMikdash. Let me just finish the last line here. He says, our, our transgressions destroyed the the beautiful place that was connected to the heaven of Yonim HaKadoshim. And they, the Vuchadnezzar and Titus, they only were able to destroy the beauty in the world and on earth. This is what David Melech David, Yodea Kamevilimala, Biswach Eitz Kardomot, that you have to you have to bring it up to heaven. Haras, that he, he, it was as though he destroyed uh, the connection with heaven. Okay, uh, well, we'll try to, I'll try to, to, to summarize it. B'nai Yisrael, according to, according to the first psukim that we learned, it means that B'nai Yisrael can do it. They have it somehow, having been at Har Sinai, having accepted the Torah, having become Kidoshim, uh, right? Then it was imbued by uh, a connection, uh, their connection to God. They can do this. They can They can create. A, a situation where there is a closeness between the people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And because of that closeness, they're able to imitate the divine will. And means you could actually do this. You could actually not make uh, 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 an own uh, a, a box, but you can make God's box. You can make God's menorah. You can make God's mizbeach, etc. You can do that. You can do that. You're not just following uh, instruction that you get from a book, but you're following very, very closely what God wants of us. And that's what the Mishkan is. The Mishkan is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, but it only exists. It only exists as the reflection of the Mishkan in heaven as long as B'nai Yisrael 
are deserving of that, are deserving of that connection. But if that connection, if B'nai Yisrael kind of lose it, they lose it, so then the Beit HaMikdash loses its special nature the, as being a connector between B'nai Yisrael and, and the Kodesh Baruch Hu, right? They kind of lose it. And in, in a kind of nominal manner, the Beit HaMikdash turns into something else, even though it started out as God's Beit HaMikdash. So he's not perfect because we are not perfect, but it's close. He had to do it in the same way as we as we had to do it. But once we we leave it aside, we don't think of the Beit HaMikdash in that way. It, it becomes a building. It turns into a regular kind of space. And that regular kind of space can be destroyed easily by people like Nebuchadnezzar and Titus. But the optimistic part is that the Beit HaMikdash, the Beit HaMikdash in heaven remains, which I'm not sure, I don't know if it means that you have to, will, that we'll rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, but I do think it means that we have opportunities. We have opportunities to be closer to, to be better than, to to add on something, right? To add on something that we, that we can we can add on, and so we have to accept that kind of responsibility. Apparently, apparently, this uh, idea about you know people say, "Are you religious?" Like it's a question that people ask, but uh, you don't mean that. What you mean is, are you practicing a connection? Are you are you able to kind of feel the connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu? in davening or in doing mitzvot. I mean, those are the opportunities that are given to us. And that's what we have to, we have to let ourselves think about. So I think that, that the Rashi, of course, is Rashi. Rashi teaches us, you know, teaches us Chumash. But I think that in this case, the Pasuk, can be taken literally. Can be taken literally. Also, literally, forever, there's like a like a, we're encouraged to work at it, to try to to make it uh, possible, and not just to do things that are uh, things that are done, but to try to move them in a particular direction, and that's the uh, I call this year Azim Mishkan. <laughs> Okay, have a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Good Shabbos to you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom.